Hey, hello, friends. It's the Seriously Wrong Boys, and we're... Hey, folks. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, I should have given more space for you. Uh, no, that's fine. i just so, happy to talk over you, and you can talk. We'll just interrupt. It's, it's got all... a dynamic, yeah, yeah, interrupting each other kind of. So, so here's the deal. This is a bonus episode, uh, <laughs> which means that it's in our Patreon feed for people who donate to the show. But we're going to give a little free sampler, a little teaser tray. And it's usually, you know, we pick a nice good 10 minutes, a nice juicy 10 minutes. So you, yeah. It, it, it Ima- should... Imagine you're at the grocery store right now and someone you're walking past and someone's saying, hey, free sampler, free, a delicious free uh, little bit of food, little tiny pizza or... Maybe some some chips or a bit of uh, soup, maybe in a little tiny cup. You can have this for free, some calories, some ideas, or whatever. Uh, and it's sort of in this enticing, like, oh, why don't you consider donating? So exactly, uh, yeah. once you consider buying the whole pie. So 2023 is the year of the seriously wrong bonus episode. It is our New Year's resolution to release right. more bonus episodes this year than we ever have. So it's a great time if you've been thinking about signing up to support seriously wrong it's going to be a big year and we are uh just excited and for people to hear this free sample and to hopefully want to buy the whole pie afterwards so there's a link in the description patreon.com seriously wrong and we'll just hit play this big red play button yeah to get this sample platter going let's hit it we're at war war with the big publishers that release the same games over and over again War with the older siblings who hog the controllers. And war with the used video game stores that charge $50 for a used game, but will only give you $6 in trade-in credit. Gamers around the world are standing up for our rights, fighting the anti-gamer cabals. You are the resistance. And this is Narrative Wars. Because there's a war on for your story. All right, folks, now here, before we get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, delicious masculine, full-on T-bone steak meat of an episode. A word from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Gamer Milk. This is a fortified energy milk beverage developed by top scientists with the gamer in mind. It has nootropics to boost your gamer brain for peak performance in those sweaty lobbies. Use the coupon code POINTGUN at BADGUY, make him go away and win, all caps, all one word, to get 10% off. All right, folks, we got an exciting show today here, but here at the top of the hour, the battles of the narrative wars have come to the world of gaming, my fellow gamers, and it's time for us to pick up the controller and fight back. We have the documents, and this is from the Real News Network. Call of Duty is a government psyop. These documents prove it. Now, this article alleges a number of startling things about Call of Duty and the publisher Activision Blizzard. We'll have a link in the description as usual. But the short version is that according to leaked documents from the NSA, Department of Defense, and FBI, the government considers online communities such as World of Warcraft as a target-rich environment for surveillance, so much so that they were surveilling themselves. The article also draws a number of troubling connections between U.S. intelligence services and people working for Activision Blizzard, including Activision Blizzard's senior counsel and until September its chief compliance officer and executive vice president for corporate affairs, Francis Townsend. Townsend was the White House's most senior advisor on terrorism and homeland security under President George W. Bush. 
And as part of her job, Townsend helped popularize the term enhanced interrogation techniques, a Bush-era euphemism for torturing detainees. In addition to that role, Townsend is a director for the NATO offshoot The Atlantic Council, a director on the Council of Foreign Relations, and a trustee of the hawkish think tank, the Center for Strategic and International Studies. Activision Blizzard's chief administration officer, Brian Bulatow, was until 2018 the chief operating officer for the CIA, which is third in command. Interesting coincidences. Now there's one thing that animates me, Patriot Gamers. It's coincidences. Why would people leave the lucrative and exciting field of intelligence to take a detour into the world of AAA game development? Maybe they didn't leave at all. According to the article, reports have shown that the Department of Defense took an unusually hawkish measure in expressing concern to the developers of Call of Duty about a plan to develop a game about war with China in the future. Now you might think, well, Felix, isn't that great? They don't want war with China. Well, if that's the case, what does that say about the game where the player assassinates Fidel Castro, Call of Duty Black Ops 2010? Does the Department of Defense think that's a good idea for a game? What about the game where you infiltrate Venezuela and overthrow the socialist government there? Does the Department of Defense think that that's a suitable subject for a video game? As always, just asking questions, folks. Next up on the show, we have got a worldwide immaculate expert of art, Arthur A. Artman. Man who loved art so much, he changed his last name to Artman. Thank you for being here with us today. Happy to be here, and I'm happy to be introduced that way, because it's true, I changed my name to Artman because I love and research art. I think that's wonderful. When someone can throw themselves 100% into something, that is dedication, and that is where peak performance comes. You've been drinking your gamer milk, haven't you? You want some? Always, yeah. You've sent me a carton of it, and since you did, I haven't been able to stop my brain from coming up from, with great ideas from all the nootropics. Oh, yeah. We're going to be having gamer milk mustaches by the end of this segment. And I love it. I think it looks great. Oh, yeah. No, it's, I say it's the mark of an intellectual gamer milk mustache. So you know someone's thinking deep because they're so pumped chock full of nootropics. You can kiss these guys and get smarter. Oh, yeah, if there's enough gamer milk on the lip and you kind of lick it up as you, you kiss. You get some nootropics yeah. in there. Exactly. But enough about gamer milk. I'm here to talk about art. Art. Video game. Isn't an art. Now, it's been debated from the beginning of time, as far as I'm concerned. But is video game an art? People say yes. People say no. Now, you're an expert in art, and I understand you got some objective truth, some new documents and research to, to New share documents, new research, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of people have said, oh, you know, there's no one strict definition of art that everybody agrees on. And so, therefore, the question of whether video games are art uh, becomes kind of meaningless in that context because it just depends which definition of art you're meaning. But we actually... Definition wobble, they call that. Yeah, we actually did some hard work researching all the different definitions of art and we found that under every single definition of art possible video games have to be included in order to be logically consistent wait now you're saying that every single uh, potential definition or commonly used definition basically if your definition doesn't specifically exclude video games for arbitrary reasons and say that that's what it's doing any non-arbitrary reason falls apart on closer examination now the late richard ebert uh esteemed movie critic now he was a critic of video games as art saying that a game has a winner and a loser and art can't yeah, have he a winner said and games a loser. have goals they have points you're interacting with others this you're playing a game whereas art is to be bias i'm sorry that upsets me as a gamer 
What's what's so wrong with a few points? He said that art is meant to be experienced, not participated in. If you're not a passive receptacle, it's not art in Ebert's mind. And he also, in this article, put out the idea that art has to be the creation of one visionary mind, which kind of implies that everything that multiple people have worked on is not true art, unless they aren't all sort of just trying to realize the main artist's vision. Anything that's had a truly collaborative effort uh, wouldn't be art under Ebert's definition. The definition of art I like to go with is a simple one, one that's widely available to anyone who searches up the definition of art on Bing.com. We use Microsoft Bing in the studio, folks. Personal preference. The expression or application of human creative skill and imagination producing works to be appreciated primarily for their beauty or emotional power. Now, if you can't tell me that under that definition, many video games aren't art. Now, I'm not saying all games are art, although under some more broad definitions they are. Yeah, why not? But, you know, you could say a, a, a match of football might be art in some way, but I don't know if it's art in the same way as a video game that has uh, a lot of visual art included and a story. It's in fact an amalgamation of many types of art to create a type of super art we found. Holy if you, smokes. If you just draw one picture, that's one type of art. But if you draw a million pictures and mm -hmm. put them in a row, you can make an animation. If you take multiple animations, make it 3D, that's even more. It's just these are higher, higher levels mind, of art here. Yeah. You write a simple story. Sure, that's art. You just like write it with words on a page. You film it. That's even more art. You're adding the artistic things of photography and whatnot. It's so are you saying that an animation at 24 frames per second is 24 times as valuable as like a great painting? I don't know if it scales linearly exactly like that. The reason I talk about super art is because I think that the thing that Ebert said makes video games not art, that you participate in them, that you can win or lose them, that, that you're an active player in the outcome of the proceedings, actually has the potential to make video games a very unique and special, some might say hierarchically better, but I try to avoid that type of art because that ability to embody characters in a story and to be forced to put yourself in the situations, making the decisions they're making, uh, can really be a powerful type of beautiful and emotional experience. And I got the documents to prove it. Now I say, if you, if you think that video games aren't art, I say, try out Skyrim, the open world Legend of Zelda, I can't remember what it's called right now, and Witcher 3 Next Gen Enhanced Edition, Game of the Year Edition. Now one of those has got to scratch that itch. It's art, folks. It's made up of many pieces of smaller art as well. It's art within art. And that's, I think, one of the things that disturbs Roger Ebert the most as a cowardly man. The, yeah, one of my greatest regrets about Roger Ebert's life is that he didn't live long enough to see the error of his ways on this. But I don't know, maybe the elite have his brain downloaded into a computer somewhere and he's still learning. That's my only hope. Well, we can certainly hope so. That's all the time we have this week on Narrative Wars. Thank you for joining us, Arthur A. Artson. Big respect to your work, your scientific, objective fact-finding mission. And all of our listeners at home, remember, if your friends and family disagree with you on the issues related to narrative wars, they might be demons. See you next time.